The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Welcome, everyone, to day three of the Infinity Saga series. My name is Matt. And my name is Casey. Oh, we are very, very excited about uh, our film today um, because it, it is the one that started all of this. We aren't yes, doing is. this podcast without this movie. This is the Snow White of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, of course, we're talking about Iron Man today. You know, it's funny, I find it interesting that, you know, we started with Captain America two days ago, which was chronologically the first movie to come. But this movie is really the one that started it all, you know, and was made, you know, three years before for, before Captain America was. And I, I just find it interesting that the two still come this close together chronologically. I mean, they're only two movies apart right yeah exactly. and and but you're right this we can't talk about the infinity saga and the whole series that this plays such an instrumental part partly because as again everyone listening to this should know by now in endgame you know tony stark iron man he is the one who ultimately sacrifices himself with the final snap that brings things back to normal or at least what normal could look like in endgame and a big part of the ending of endgame really ties back to some of the stuff that you see in this movie. Yeah, so to me, this is a kind of, where were you at when you saw this film? Do you remember when when you first saw this film? Man, oh man, this is this is ages ago, because 2008, I mean, Nate and I were not together. I mean, we, we, we've only been together since 2010, so this was two years before that. I don't even think I saw this movie in the theater. I think... At that time, I had no interest in in comic book stuff whatsoever. I knew Superman. I knew Batman from DC. I knew nothing about Marvel except for the X-Men. I enjoyed the X-Men. I want to say that really what made me see this movie would have been Thor coming out and knowing and he was telling me about how they were starting to kind of bring some they were going to bring some of the stuff together and make an Avengers and that whole idea 
started to really interest me that idea of, of bringing different characters from different franchises into one universe. And I thought about how monumental the task that was. And that's when I really started to get interested. And I think I, I watched it. I think I bought the DVD and popped the DVD and I watched it so I could be ready for Thor or maybe even Captain America, to be honest with you. It might've been Cap, but yeah, I would have seen this probably in 2010. So I saw it in theaters. So like you, I was not a comic book person. I, again, I knew baseline knowledge, but my best friend, Henry, uh, we, we went to the same high school and ended up going to the same college. So we've been, we've been friends since I was in sixth grade. He was like, do you want to go see this movie? And of course I'm an 18 year old high school student. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You want to go see a movie? Great. I'll go see movies. So we, we went and saw this movie one day after school and I just remember going, I loved it. And then the end credit scene happened. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But that was when like Henry explained to me, like, this is what the Avengers are. This is what this is. And I was instantly hooked. I was like, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. I need to get into this. So I very, I very remember like the theater I was in and, and seeing it with Henry. I, I very much remember that. Jarvis. Welcome, Holmes. I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Marvel at that time financially was not doing all that hot, right? It's so, not what it was today. No, not at all. And, and and so Marvel had licensed out some of its major well-known characters. So Sony had Spider-Man and in in the Spider-Man series, the original Spider-Man movie with with uh Tobey Maguire, you know, it had Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, those two movies had done extremely well. I don't think I think they did a third one and it didn't do as hot. But that particular franchise spider-man is probably the most well-known superhero behind probably superman i would say and batman yes, so spider-man so spider-man is is leased out to sony the x-men a lot of people remember the x-men i would argue not so much from the comics but they remember them from the tv show and and the arcade game and the arcade yes. game yes so that was licensed out to fox and and fox 20th century fox I, and I know I'm in the minority on this one, but they were doing such a fan, I think they were doing a fantastic job with the original X-Men and then X-Men 2 and then X-Men 3, you know, where, you know, where they were all united. And, and then they started to kind of branch off into the different classes, which I, I got lost at that point. But those arguably were Marvel's two biggest franchises, right? So now Marvel wants to, and, and at that point, Marvel was bleeding money. So what did they do? Oh, they go ahead and lease in perpetuity, the rights of some of their major characters, Spider-Man, X-Men, the Avengers, off to Universal to use in their theme park down in near Walt Disney World at Universal Studios in Orlando. Here they decide, they, they, they get the rights to, to do this movie, or they decide they want to do the movie, and they, it's a huge gamble. They secure the loan, right? John Favreau comes on board to, to direct, which arguably at the time was not 
the the slam dunk that it is now <laughs> that you would have if he had John Favreau. I mean, he's got Mandalorian under his belt now and all that stuff, but back then, not so much, right? Well, and and Robert Downey Jr., same thing, was not your, like, he, he was not the big name that he is today. Well, so speaking of Robert Downey Jr., nobody wanted him. So, so it was John Favreau when he signed on, they wanted to bring somebody else on to do the, the part of Iron Man, Tony Stark. They wanted a no name, if you will. And, and John Favreau said, no, I want Robert Downey Jr. And they had so much pushback because of, you know, Robert Downey Jr. had some, some antics off the screen, if you will. He was known as one of the 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 the, the brat pack back in the '80s, alongside you know Amelia Amelia Estevez and 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 Charlie Sheen and Rob Lowe. He was kind of known. He kind of went with that group, and and um, <laughs> so they they. But that's why John Favreau wanted him. John Favreau wanted to bring him on board because of those antics, because he had that personality, right? So. That's the mindset for this movie. Again, it's being produced by Marvel Studios. It's going to be distributed by Paramount Pictures. Disney was nowhere in the picture at this point. Nowhere. They produced what is arguably an amazing movie. And I don't know if you've read some of the the behind the scenes stuff on this, but when they were writing this, I guess there were days that they would go to shoot and they didn't have scripts ready. That a lot of this dialogue was improvised, was on the spot. The actors were encouraged to improvise what was said because they were so focused on the story. Originally, they wanted to have the Mandarin um, as the main villain, but Favreau said, no, no one's going to know who this is. I need this villain to be bigger than life and that's why they settled settled on you know you know Obadiah and 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 so when you look at some of that some of the early decisions some of the ways that we view the MCU now were very much shaped by the decisions that John Favreau made for this movie specifically yeah so um to kind of interject there you see the, the groundwork of the mandarin where um um because the Ten Rings, which is the um, the terrorist organization that captures Tony Stark, that the Ten Rings is the terrorist organization that is led by the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, this is one of those things that Shang-Chi is a movie that's coming out in a couple years or so. I don't know the exact date, but I know it's it's in development for to come to the big screen. And it is Shang-Chi and the, and the Ten Rings. So this is... This starts here at the beginning, and this is a plot point that they're, they're kind of moving through all of these uh, movies, and that's crazy to think about. Well, again, that is the brilliance of the MCU. When you think about all these individual movies, all these individual stories, all these individual characters, and their ability to bring them all together, the Avengers alone was, <laughs> pun intended here, the Avengers alone was a major initiative, uh, <laughs> um, pun intended, but 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 to, to bring it together again for Age of Ultron, bring them together again for Captain America's Civil War, which let's be honest with you, which was like an Avengers 2.5. And then to to bring them together again for Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame and be able to collectively breathe the zeitgeist, which was the MCU, and bring along people who were not comic book fans for this journey 23 episodes in. This is the movie where they were kind of testing the ground. I mean, they inserted the 
the the Nick Fury the thing the thing that introduces our podcast every week or every every day. Um, you know, I'm here to talk to you about the init- Avengers Initiative. I guarantee you that when Feige inserted that and when Favreau inserted that, he wa- he knew what he wanted to do, but there was no guarantee it was going to happen. In a lot of ways, that was just a little tip of the hat to the comic book fans of, hey, if this is something we can make happen, let me plant a little breadcrumb right here. Well, and I would argue that no other film franchise has been able to duplicate that. You know, everyone's trying to make these universes. DC Mm -hmm. Comics is trying to do it. And even Universal had their Monsters Universe. They're trying to make these universes, and they have just not been able to duplicate it. So this is not as easy as we think it is. When you think about the ones who've been most successful at doing it, they're all under Disney's umbrella. Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars. And I would argue... Disney, Disney princesses, Disney villains, they've been able to bring together some of them under specific circumstances, be it, you know, descendants or, you know, they had the, the series Once Upon a Time a few years back on ABC, which brought together all of the fairy tales. That was a really well done way to bring a lot of that together, too. I, I would love to be able to transport back in time, uh, you know, use the time zone and to just listen to Kevin Feige and, 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 and be in some of those meetings when he's talking to the, you know, he's head of Marvel studios or at least at Marvel studios. And then eventually, you know, Marvel gets bought by Disney, but to pitch this idea of, I want to bring together this, I want to, I mean, it had, it had never been done. And, and I don't know if we're ever going to see it done again, at least to this scale. I mean, cause this thing's, you know, Mar- Feige has, has defined it as, you know, there's pre-Endgame and post, or pre-Infinity Wars and post-Infinity Wars, right? So, you know, we don't know what the post-Infinity Wars look like, but as far as we can tell, that train's still coming down the track, you know? And Feige... Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. not stopping. So, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the universe as a whole. Let's talk a little bit more about the movie. You know, we've talked overall impressions. You know, one of the things we like to pick out real quick is our favorite characters. Who is your favorite character? I mean, it's Tony Stark, Iron Man. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, other characters are great, but it, it, hands down, everything about okay. it. Love it. You know who mine was? What about you? <laughs> Dummy the robot who who puts the fire out. <laughs> I, the one who, he acts like a dog. I just, I, I, every time I watch the movie, he's, he's a little character. He doesn't play a huge part, but he is absolutely hilarious the way they were able to make him look like a dog given the mannerisms when he's sad and puts his little you know puts his face down and and then when he sprays tony after tony comes back from from his little flight i i just i i just he's my favorite little character i like tony don't get me wrong and you know i'll have plenty of time to say i like tony in this movie or whatever but i think in this movie i think just tony's technology as a whole i think is a good character you know for lack of a better option dummy is still on fire safety if you douse me again and i'm not on fire i'm donating you to city college Um, do you have a low point on this movie, like a part that you didn't like? The low point that I don't like about this movie is very similar to the low point that you had in Captain America, which is I do not like that Rhodey is the one that finds him in the desert. I think that it could have been Rhodey's team. Rhodey could have been looking on um, uh, remotely through video 
or or something like that. But to have his best friend be the one who just so happens to be in the helicopter that flies over Tony in that massive desert at that exact moment when he actually breaks free, it just it was too much for me. I, I just I, I don't I, I think that it could have been a number of of helicopters that were scouring and one of them picked him up and he was at the command center. But to have his helicopter be the one I just I just thought it was a little little pushed, little little campy, a little too campy, a little too much. Yeah. What about you? Low point. Yeah. I I honestly I thought long and hard. I, I ran through this movie. I'm watching the movie and I'm looking for it. And I. I really can't find it. I, this movie, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't want to say it's a perfect movie, but there's very little about this movie that I'm like, ah, I really hate this. And I, I, I don't, I don't really like it. I mean, I guess the low point for this movie is that Terrence Howard doesn't come back. And so you have this awkwardness of like Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle coming in. And yeah, but I mean, that's, that is what it is. Again, this was, but you before... want to necessarily know that watching the movie in the universe, it exactly. is watch it later. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those, because we're watching them all again, it is different. So yeah, I, I, I only have really, really good things to say about this movie. It was just as good as I remember it. I know we, we talk about this a lot in, in our episodes where I don't know if some of it is I have such strong nostalgia for when I saw the movie that it's making it so I have the rose colored glasses on and I can't see the flaws. But I, I, again, I have, I have laid in bed at night thinking, okay, what's my, what's my bad thing um, I'm going to say about this movie. That's what I did last night. I was like, what's the bad thing I'm going to say about this movie in tomorrow's episode. And I, I, I couldn't think of one. I've got one more since you don't have one. I've got one more and it's a little thing. And it's a thing that probably at the time they wouldn't even have realized that whenever you use real people or places or real, real time in the moment, historical things that are going on, it does date your movie. And so one of the things that I did not like about the movie is that they use actually afghanistan he's in afghanistan and he get in during the war in afghanistan and the whole idea of the middle eastern terrorist and all that stuff which has not aged well over the last 12 years right and again at the time you didn't know if that was gonna be the only movie they made or not right but if you've noticed over the 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 23 movies a lot of that 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 modern what's happening in modern society has has drifted away from the realities of the world we live in to more of the fictional world of what Marvel Cinematic Universe has created. Yeah, that now that I'm now that I'm pondering that you are right that there is a little bit less of a like here's the time and place that we're at um, mm-hmm. because yeah it, it does it does date the movie and I mean there's countless Disney movies that that are like that that get mm-hmm. dated and maybe at the time worked really well. But you watch them now and go, oh, this, this, this does not age well. Correct. Yeah. Real quick, because I know we're running short on time. What was your one of your favorite highlights? I have two things. One, the heads up display that Tony Stark has, how they shoot that is awesome. It, it, it looks so cool. And that like you're in the helmet with him and all this other stuff like that was such a well designed shot. And I love it. And then 
The second thing is this is the only after credit scene that I will that I will probably watch because we talked about this in yesterday's episode where I, we didn't need to watch the Captain Marvel one because the Captain Marvel one was setting up for Endgame. Now we know what happens. I don't need that as much. But watching this one was like, yeah, this is the start. This is the start of something. Here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. So those are the two um, things for me. And with Jeff Bridges' villain, you know, don't get me wrong. He's not the best villain in MCU history, but I think he does a pretty bang up job as the villain in that movie. You know, it's really funny you say that because so I, I looked at the timeline on this. So this came out in 2008. You know what other movie he ends up playing in, which is very close to the same time frame as this? The Grid. A digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day... You got in. <laughs> That's right, man. I got in. Tron Legacy. Yes. So as this movie yeah. as as this movie was wrapping up, he goes on to to star in Tron Legacy, where he is like this almost deity like uh, character. So and I'm wondering if maybe they saw him in this, and well, you know, obviously he was in the original Tron, but if that made them believe that you know, yeah, let's bring Jeff Bridges back and 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 get him back into that. My high point, real quick, just was was the test flight. I thought the test flight scene um, has had a lot of bang for its buck over the years how far can you push the new suit right i mean you mm -hmm. think about infinity, infinity wars again being able to fly up into space the soundtrack during that flight scene i actually as i'm watching the movie i was finishing it up today before we started recording and that song that's playing is actually called mark ii it's it's from the soundtrack uh and it it it, it just it, it exudes all these emotions as you're listening to him and watching him fly I just think that was such a well done scene where he's kind of stretching his legs and stretching his wings, if you will. So, so one out of 10, where do you put it? Ooh, I'm putting it at, um, I'm putting it at an eight, to be honest with you and, and pushing towards a nine. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'd agree. Eight, eight to nine. You, you just can't have the franchise without this movie. I mean, this, yeah. this movie establishes so many of the rhythms, so many of the quips there's the captain america shield cameo that makes an appearance in here just just various little little nods to what will come well closing time sir don't you think yeah i think it's that time um tomorrow iron man 2 so we stay in the iron man franchise so if you're keeping up with us iron man 2 is what we'll be talking about tomorrow you can find us at beers and ears 1928 at gmail.com instagram and twitter at beers ears 1928 also search for us on facebook at the beers and ears podcast as always we just want to say thank you for being uh, listeners have a great day guys we'll see you tomorrow